Hey, coming up on the next episode of Unpolished MBA. Yeah, so a food stylist, that's the person that makes the food look good for the camera. And it's different than cooking food to eat. Like it's using food as art, basically, and to really make it appealing and to sell, you know, either to convince people to try a recipe or to sell a food product or whatever. That person, that professional can make anywhere from $600 to $1,500 a day. Yeah. So it's interesting because I tweeted this weekend. I'm like, you know what? Somehow I woke up from a nap and there was old episodes of Oprah playing for my YouTube channel. Oh my gosh. And uh-huh. I thought, wow, we don't have shows like that anymore. Everything now is about celebrities interviewing each other and it's the same old mess. And I think that the people that are most interesting are regular people. You know, they have the best. Yeah real life story situations conversation and it's like we need to kind of get back to that i enjoy introducing people like you to the unpolished nba audience so sean chavez i want to thank you for joining me today thank you for having me i really appreciate it yeah you're you're definitely one of the Probably, I would say one of the most creative people that I've met in the Atlanta ecosystem. I remember some of the work that you were doing with one of the organizations here a while back. And I know that you had started your own venture back at that time. So you mind sharing a little bit about that? Sure. I think that when we first met, it was uh, at Launchpad 2X. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Well, I had a business then that was a boutique content marketing agency, and we specialized in content for food and health companies. And I've since pivoted because I wanted to find ways to stabilize the cash flow. The boutique marketing agency, it was really great. I had some great clients and we like carved out a niche in doing cookbooks for our clients, like brand cookbooks. So like the cookbooks that you see when you get appliances or barbecue grills, or you know, like you buy a new food product and they have a cookbook to go with it to help you find new ways to use that product. It's really fun, but the projects are few and far between. Like a company doesn't necessarily need a new cookbook every six months. It's more like every two or three years. So oh. I pivoted. Yeah. So I pivoted because it, the sales cycle was long and then, you know, the cash flow needed troubleshooting because when you have, you know, a client that only needs a new book every two years, you know, you really have to have a lot of clients. So I pivoted the company. I had this concept for helping people who have to eat to prevent or manage chronic disease. And you probably know someone who's had this experience. You may have had it yourself where you go to the doctor and they tell you, hey, you're at risk of this condition, or they diagnose you with a particular condition and they say, you got to change the way that you eat. And they typically hand you this list that looks like it was mimeographed back in the 70s. Yeah. (laughs) I have a chef friend who calls it the list of bland. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so it's not very appetizing. And I mean, like, it's, Number one, you feel bad about, you know, having that diagnosis or warning. But then number two, you look at the list and you're like, this isn't the way I would eat or, you know, you don't mm-hmm. see 
you know, it, it's just like, how do you make meals off of this list? And sometimes the list of what not to eat. And so that makes it even harder to yeah. wrap your brain around what do I eat? So I wanted to change that experience. And so I set out to create a company that offers customizable cookbooks. So we will basically replace the list with the experience of going onto a website, filling out a personal profile with your health needs or food preferences, and then getting to create your own personalized one-of-a-kind cookbook full of recipes that meet your needs. And you get to choose all the recipes, you get to choose a cover image, and you get to put your name on the cover like Great Food Every Day with Monique. Oh, yeah. So we started that out. And then and we the recipes even have QR codes that you can scan. So you get like a printed one-of-a-kind cookbook. It's a print-on-demand product. So after you place your order, it takes about two weeks. It arrives at your door. You've got this hardcover cookbook. The recipes inside each have a QR code. So when you're ready to shop, all you have to do is scan the QR code with your phone or tablet. And it pops up a list of ingredients for that, for that recipe. Then you can, you're like two buttons away from ordering groceries for delivery or just to go pick up. So it really was trying to remove barriers. And it really helped also with people who live in communities that are considered food deserts because yeah. over 90% of the food deserts are fully deliverable by services like Instacart. So that's what we set out. That's the pivot that we set out to make. And then COVID happened. So that really hurt our marketing. But I've since pivoted the business to license healthy recipes to health coaching companies and retailers that want to reach people who need to make healthy lifestyle changes. Okay, so let me go back. It's so much innovative stuff you mentioned in your whole idea and execution. I'm like blown away. I had no idea all of that was what was going on with the company. It was called Living Book, right? That's great. Right, Living Book. So let me ask you something. When you said that it produced a grocery shopping list, was it tied into an API with any of the grocery stores or anything like that? Yes, it it actually geolocates a grocery store near you. So like if I use the app today, uh, you know, it would give me the options to shop from Kroger, um, definitely Instacart, Publix. I live near Publix, you know, Walmart grocery, also Amazon Fresh. So it would give you all these options. And it just, it just depends on where you live. If you lived in California, it would call up those grocery stores. If you lived in the Atlantic coast, you'd call up Harris Teeter and, uh, you know, other things. So it just depends on where you live. But yes, it does have an API that helps you find a grocery store near you. I pivoted from B to C with the cookbooks to B to B with the recipe API. But our end users are still everyday people. So a lot of the like a lot of the end users are in employee wellness companies. So they're employees and companies or they are shoppers at grocery stores. And so the online grocery stores are licensing our recipes. Oh, so. I see. <laughs> so I'm yeah. going to take you back to the book. I know you pivoted from the book. I know mm -hmm. that. But it's it's simply incredible. Everything that that you know, you mentioned as far as the features and I'm immediately thinking of the benefits of each of them on a personal brand level. So the reason I started thinking about it when you were talking about it is because people are usually surprised when they learn that I'm plant-based. I eat fish every once in a while, but I've been plant-based mm -hmm. for 
five plus years. So when people ask me, they're like, oh, wow, are you vegan? I'm like, no, not vegan. You know, so just kind of explaining the differences and all that all the time. I feel like I'm constantly doing, I would love to put that in the book, but people always want to know, well, what do you eat? Right. Uh And so it would be great to show another dynamic as far as personal brand wise for those that have that interest in, well, what does she eat? Why does, why, uh, how old are you again? Cause I get that a lot. So it's one of those things I think could bring out another dynamic in, in, in people's personal brand who, you know, get those kind of questions often and may want to share with their audience. Absolutely. One of the best outcomes that like I anticipated this might happen, but I was surprised to the degree that it happened is that people who got the cookbooks, like, you know, if you were diagnosed with a condition like diabetes and you go get a cookbook, it usually says cooking for diabetes or something like that on the cover. <laughs> right. And if you take that home, your family's like, okay, yeah, have fun with that. That's you. <laughs> we don't keep eating that, you know? And so it's really hard to recruit your family to support you, but research shows that when everyone in the household is eating similar food, like, you know, you Mm -hmm. might have different sides or different Mm -hmm. toppings, but if everybody's eating similarly, that person with the condition is more likely to succeed. And if it's a condition that is impacted by genetics, it makes sense for everybody in the family to learn to eat healthfully because that way you're setting the kids up or anybody else up for success later in life. So with these cookbooks, like people would get them and it doesn't say cooking for diabetes or heart disease or high blood pressure on the cover. It says great food every day with Monique. And I, this is an example of what happened, the kind of response I got. I had one lady who got her cookbook and she unwrapped it and she left it on the kitchen counter. And her husband came home that night and he saw the book on the counter and he was like, what's this? Cooking with Galena? And he started flipping through it and he was like, this looks great. Let's make this tonight for dinner. He had no clue that the book was designed around her health needs. He was just like, this is a great recipe. This looks really good. The photo, you know, like he was really attracted by this personalized book for his wife that had her name on it, had Mm -hmm. great photography, and it had really easy recipes. And he was totally like, hey, let's do this, you know? And it made it so much easier for her to recruit. Like for people who got back to me and told me, similar stories, it made it so much easier for them to recruit their families and supporting their health goals. So that even though the books are on the back burner, I do have like one nonprofit organization who is using cookbooks to help people in their programs. They have kind of like a life skills program. And part of that is teaching people how to cook and eat healthfully and economically. So they're doing a pilot. Okay. Um, but yeah. So when it comes to like the photography, because, you know, in the cookbooks, a lot of it has to do with the photography and, and the stuff in there, like making it like, oh, I want to eat that. Like, how do you manage that part? Where would you get the graphics? So I used to be a cookbook editor for Time Inc. And I specialized in cookbooks for brands like Weight Watchers and Cooking Light. And so I built a lot of relationships during that time with recipe developers, recipe testers, photographers, food stylists, and designers. And so I, you know, as I started this business, I reached out to a lot of the professionals that I'd worked with before. And so I was able to hire them to to work on this with me. So the recipe quality and the photography quality is the same. I mean, the professionals are people who have worked for brands like Real Simple and Food and Wine, you know, my recipes. So these are high quality photos and recipes. 
That's incredible. So that's really what caught my attention when you launched that was like, wow, what's that? You know, like it looked like a magazine, right? Like everything online that was associated with your brand was just top notch professionalism. And like I said before, it's like when I would see things that you did, it was like, wow, like she's so creative. But I didn't even know those other those job titles even existed, like food stylist. Never heard that before. (laughs) It's true. You know, like uh, there are a lot of this is a side convo, but there are a lot of food careers that people don't necessarily hear about. Even in culinary school, like culinary school doesn't necessarily tell people, hey, you could go be a food stylist, you know. And Yeah, I never heard that before. Yeah. Can you share like two of them that, you know, is not really common and around like how much money they make? So let's take a moment to thank our biggest sponsor of this podcast, TPM Focus, a strategy and execution consulting firm focused on generating revenue and finding product market fit for startups and small to medium-sized companies that are launching a new innovation or entering a new market. In a nutshell, if you're launching a new innovation or into a new market, we'll align your technology, marketing, sales, and customer success with your financial goals to ensure your company makes money while finding and solidifying your place in the market. Head over to tpmfocus.com dot com to see testimonials and reach out if you'd like to work with us. Yeah, so a feed stylist, that's the person that makes the food look good for the camera. And it's different than cooking food to eat. Like it's using food as art, basically, and to really make it appealing and to sell, you know, either to convince people to try a recipe or to sell a food product or whatever. That person, that professional can make anywhere from 600 to 1500 dollars a day yeah and then they usually have an assistant to help them shop and prep mm-hmm. and so a food styling assistant typically makes between 250 and 500 dollars a day it kind of depends on who the client is and what the project is for and like what medium it is recipe developers and we use recipe developers who specialize in healthy cooking so it's more than just coming up with an idea, but they have to think through what's in your grocery store that's accessible. Is it affordable? Can we make a delicious, healthy recipe with eight ingredients or less because people don't like long ingredient lists? Is the food going to look pretty? So they have to think about, is it going to, is it photogenic? You know, like, so not only does it taste good, but it's going to be pretty when it shows up in a photo. So they're Mm. thinking visually as well. And then we have the added layer of making the recipes healthy. So they have to shop for the lowest sodium ingredients, for example, or, you know, they have to, when they're testing, not only do they time everything that happens during the recipe, during the process of cooking, but they measure everything meticulously. Like, you know, if they're cutting chicken, like how much does the chicken weigh? Or if they're marinating something, how much marinade did the food soak up? You know, like how much marinade did you start with and how much marinade is left after you finish soaking the food? You reduce a sauce like that has wine and like you, have, you glaze a pan with wine and, you know, you make a little wine sauce. How much wine did you put in and how much wine is left? And then all those details get gathered and then they're sent to a registered dietitian. So the food, the recipe developer really for healthy recipes really does a meticulous job. And that person typically gets around 
200 to $300 per recipe for mm. cookbooks and magazines. And then if they're developing recipes for like a commercial manufacturer, like, you know, say like, you know, Campbell's Soup says, hey, we need some new recipes. And then that's typically 600 to $1,000 or more per recipe. I've learned so much during this interview with you. And one of the things I'm going to go through once this is over and do some more research on that, on that industry, because I mean, I can just see there's opportunity there that a lot of people don't even know about, especially creatives that I know. There is like, uh, I don't have the patience to be a recipe, a food stylist. Like I really admire them because they will sit through and pick through a bag of peas to find peas all the same size. Like it's that meticulous. Oh, I don't no. have patience for that. <laughs> they get paid really well. But here's the cool thing. Like most, most food stylists I know, like they have regular day jobs. So they're not like chefs where they're like slugging it out on the weekend. You know, they typically have, you know, their day is kind of dictated by the sun. So they might have to get up a little early and start prepping before the sun comes up because if it's natural light photography, you want to have things ready and start shooting while the sun is up. And in winter, it's harder because the days are shorter. But, you know, you're typically home at night and then you're not necessarily working every day. Like you kind of pick and choose your gigs. A lot of the food stylists that I know are usually booked a month or two out, but they might have some gigs back to back and then they might take a week off or two weeks off. So, and because they're the way they make money, you know, especially if you have a good client that you have an ongoing relationship with, you don't necessarily need to work every day. So right. it's a really interesting career that offers a lot of flexibility and it's really appealing to parents or people who have other obligations in their life. I want people to know how they can get in touch with you to learn more about like even what you're doing now, but more about like your background and potentially getting in touch with you. Sure. The best way to reach me is on Twitter at Sean Chavis, or you can email email me at Sean at livingbook.com. And Sean is spelled S-H-A-U-N and livingbook is spelled L-V-N-G book.com. Thank you so much, Sean, for joining us today. I learned so much and I'm sure the audience has too. It just got my mind running in circles like on different opportunities. <laughs> so I want to thank you so much for sharing your journey and your knowledge with us. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Now you have the option to text me any question that you have about your business, about career, and I will answer it on the show. So just go to unpolishedmba.com forward slash text. And from there, you'll be able to text anytime, any question, and I'll answer it on the air. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. To hear more episodes or to request to become a guest, please visit unpolishedmba.com.